What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the More Than This podcast. I am so excited for this episode. I know I say that every week, but I'm being serious. I got to sit down with someone I know very well this week to have a very special conversation. My guest this week has had a monumental career in the field of strength and conditioning and collegiate athletics, paving the way for women coming up in the field to start their careers, along with empowering countless athletes, both women and men, to be the best they can be on and off the field. She is originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, but grew up in Tyler, Texas for most of her life. She attended the University of Texas, where she earned her bachelor's degree in kinesiology before starting a graduate program at Arizona State University. It was here that she started to pursue her passion for the weight room as a career and discovered the field of strength and conditioning in collegiate athletics. She was then hired on at the University of Notre Dame before continuing her career at the University of Florida and then also at the University of Oklahoma. During her time in collegiate athletics, she coached three teams to a national championship and pushed several athletes to post-collegiate careers. Since then, she has coached high school athletes as well and is now an equine instructor in Bryan, Texas, where her and her husband now live. In addition to all of this, she has ridden and shown horses for about 15 years and has completed about 15-plus marathons and countless other endurance events. However, she is so much more than all of this, and I cannot wait for you to be encouraged by her just like I am. Please welcome to the podcast, my mom, Robin Schmidt. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm Carter. good. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Appreciate it. Sam, thank you for having me. Yes. Okay. So for the first question of this episode, given that it is almost Thanksgiving week, you're my last episode before Thanksgiving. Um, what is your favorite Thanksgiving tradition of all time? Hmm. Let me see here. I think I would say, um, probably going to the farm and just the big long table with the Greenberg turkey on it and Hmm. everybody, um, eating together later in the afternoon and playing football in the yard and all the things. Like I love that. that family stuff. Yes. Yeah. All the family um, things. Remember. Yeah. What is your favorite Thanksgiving food on the table? Hmm. You know, I am just a good cornbread dressing girl. We call you it dressing. Do. We don't call it stuffing. We call it you dressing. love your cornbread dressing. And um, yeah, so the dressing that has light bread and cornbread in it. My, they called it light bread, not white bread. So light bread, light bread. which is white bread. <laughs> <laughs> but, but mostly cornbread and lots of onions. So that's my yes. favorite. That's a classic. It's a staple for sure. I think mine would be green bean casserole and you make the best. Don't tell Leslie I said that. Oh, I'm going to tell her. I need, brag. I, need <laughs> I need a boost of confidence right now in the kitchen. I've done so much in there lately. Cut out <laughs> I do remember how to turn the oven on, though. Hey. I how, if I can look, remember how to set forward on the oven and turn it on, I think we're doing good. So. That's the first start. Anywho. So this is, for those of you, I mean, none of y'all know, I guess, but this is our second time um, <laughs> recording this episode. We went for about three hours last time. So we're going to try to cut it back a little bit because we're on a time constraint. So um, I kind of People give work. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll talk really fast. Okay. So I just kind of wanted you to start off by speaking on how you got industry into conditioning and how, how far the field has come for women since you started. 
Um, well, I kind of came from a bodybuilding background, which was more about an aesthetic type of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to Arizona State and kind of figured out what the whole strength and conditioning um, situation looked like, it made a lot of sense to me, first of all, because it was very athletic oriented. And it also gave you something to do with that strength. And so that was really cool. Now, that was not at a time when other than women's bodybuilding, I think there were still some sports that hadn't sold out to that yet, to the idea of strength and conditioning. I think a lot of women, like in those finesse sports, like tennis and gymnastics and um, soccer, you know, they, they were more about the conditioning and there was not a lot of um, it's kind of before the emphasis of power in all of those games and all those sports, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, at the time that I was at Arizona State, uh, I did work mostly with men in the weight room. I'll have to say I was just there for just a blip, you know, kind of that mm-hmm. summer. And I, I did a volunteer uh deal with Rich Winter and Tim McClellan in the weight room and kind of saw how they were working with athletes. And I'm like, that is so cool because it's making these athletes better. Mm-hmm. But um, as I got further into my career, like just the power aspect, the, you know, the Mary Lou Rettens and the Serena Williams and the, you know, the yes. women that were really powerful came on the scene and a uh, mm-hmm. ton more. I'm, I'm leaving some out, but there was a ton more, you know, and I, I got to actually coach a lot of women in that, era too so um and that's also when women's um, professional sports kind of started taking a bump so it was always really cool I enjoyed coaching some of the um male athletes too but it to me the way that women's sports was being propelled forward at that point it was really exciting to be a part of that Mm -hmm. and I think as a female growing up not really having um a lot of coaches to encourage and a lot of, it just kind of wasn't the norm, you know? I mean, we all did like cheer, or I want to say cheer, but I'm really talking about gymnastics. The cheer thing came kind of later, mm-hmm. but like gymnastics and dance and those kind of things. It was just a different time, you know? Right. And so it just wasn't quite as popular, but anyway, and the strength and conditioning was kind of, <clears throat> I think I would say for me, the athletes I worked with, it was more, um, known with, with basketball and then volleyball. And then later on down the line came soccer and all the other tennis and golf and swimming and diving. And then everybody caught on, you know, the women were getting more attention and they were getting, you know, they were being trained by, you know, other women coming into the field and Mm -hmm. I think fitness in general had taken a bump in the eighties, but in the nineties, I think the strength thing came on the line too. So like, you've got to have both, you know? Right. right. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. And some, some great women's coaches back then, both male and female women's coaches mm-hmm. and, um, ready to kind of take the next step for their athletes. Like, why are they getting hurt so much? Why? Cause you know, the female athlete is a different beast. Right. And so trying to avoid injury is, um, it's not, more or less in a male, but it's just a little bit different with our build and our hormone situation and all that. So different. different challenges. Yeah. Lots of factors mm-hmm. to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. Too. I was actually going to ask you about kind of what you led into it a little bit, but just you have led young women in a lot of different facets, I would say, whether you are teaching or coaching college, coaching in high school, kind of where do you think that that passion came from just 
like you kind of led into it a minute ago, but where do you think that initially stemmed from? Um, I would say a lot of it. Well, I don't know. My mom was a teacher, you know, and then she actually stayed home with us as kids. That was kind of her goal. Um, but she was a teacher and that carried through with us too. Um, and so I think I always enjoyed learning. And so I guess in that regard, I always enjoyed being taught. Mm-hmm. And so I figured everybody else did too. <laughs> so, um, but you know, um, I think maybe I lacked in my life that maybe that female role model or um, that was in sports and made that okay to right. be with your hair in a ponytail and sweaty and um, that just being part of your day instead of that being something out of the ordinary, that would just be in a part of your norm, you know? And I found a lot of peace in that for myself, as far as, you know, how, when I got into running, I was obviously in the lifting, we got later into running when I was in college and um, just found a lot of peace in that. And a lot of, um, it was just kind of felt free, I guess. So, and I, I don't, I think in order to, and I'm a natural encourager, I think maybe, yeah. um, that kind of, I want you to be yourself and I want you to feel like you can be yourself. I believe that, you know, God made all of us with a very special purpose and, um, I want to help, you know, encourage people to find that that's, um, that's an important factor to me, I think, you know, and it doesn't always have to be the same way. It doesn't have to look the same as somebody else. Right. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen that in your life. And it's cool because you were that mom that like you threw my hair up in a ponytail and we were always going on the go and sweating and running and doing all the things. So that's neat to see how that you may not have learned that or that may not have been initially how you started life, but you developed that along the line and like it led into your family too. So that's neat to kind of look back on and see. But so kind of your purpose of that, how have you, whether it's women or not, I think, like you said, like you like to empower people and help them become the best that they can be. How have you stayed grounded in that purpose for so long? What do you think, like the work behind the scenes, how do you think that's played into it? And what does that look like for you? Hmm. Let's see. I mean, I like to work. That's kind of always been you know, even when I was doing sports growing up and we tried everything, you know, that's what you did back then. You tried everything. You didn't try to be a specialist. You just played. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I always wanted to, I just like practicing. I like to be better and, um, I like to try to find new ways to get better. You know, that was kind of fun to me. And then, and then also just having your, either your parents or your friends participating with you was always, you know, that was our social side too, you know, um, and then I just think, I just think, you know, when you kind of know who you are, you're kind of figuring that out. You know, I think just your relation, for me, my relationship with the Lord has kind of helped me learn. Maybe the word, better word would be to discern where I needed to be and kind of what my strengths were and um, how I could kind of carry that forward with other people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, mm-hmm. I mean, then when I figured out I could do it as a job, I was really excited. <laughs> I get paid for it. Like I get paid for this. Uh, but 
Yes. And, you know, being a little bossy too. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Love um, yeah. You know, when I was at, I think I st- my first teaching gig was right after college. I worked at a sc- little school in Austin, a little private school and, you know, coached kids or I guess it was junior high girls in volleyball. And I wasn't very good. I mean, mm-hmm. I did not play volleyball at a high level and it had been a while for me, been a minute. But I enjoyed the kids so much and we had fun. We had a lot of fun. And I was like, okay, I might learn how to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I had coached in college at Kennecut camps and had kind of gotten put in some things that, you know, was not obviously a collegiate athlete, but um, I was doing triathlons and run marathons and all the things. So, and I was actually lifting and that was one of the things that they didn't have any females in the weight room there at that point, you know, in the nineties. And so I guess it would be late eighties, early nineties. So even then it was kind of like, wow, this might be, I, I think that just kind of got my attention, you know? Mm-hmm. So. For sure. No, that's, it's neat. It's, I think it's interesting too, because I think a lot of people when they hear um, about you and dad, my dad is a coach too, but they also, they always expect, or they always think that you guys were like huge collegiate athletes, you know, that you had some big collegiate athletic career, but in reality, neither of you did, but you've had a great career in collegiate athletics, you know? So I always think that's super interesting that people assume that, you know, it's funny because, um, I never, I guess I was, I kind of doubted myself that I could have a a career like that, you know, and Mm -hmm. when I'm figuring out strength and conditioning, I'm like, well, I really don't have that in high school. So I'm going to have to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, honestly, a lot of those, I had lifted a lot more than a lot of those athletes, you know, and I could make adaptations in the weight room when things didn't work for somebody, what would you do next? And, right. you know, I worked a little bit in exercise physiology when I was in Arizona and, um, you know, I didn't really know what strength and conditioning was until I heard about it through another friend and then showed up at the front door of the weight room one day and was checking mm-hmm. it out, you know, and then volunteered there for a while. And, um, I had worked in some rehab and thought I might do PT, but it was just a different take on PT. It was almost like prevention versus rehabilitation. And I liked that. I'm a very forward thinker, like as far as solution oriented, but Hey, what can we avoid? You know, this negative, let's, let's spend more time on the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like to work, you know, I've always liked to work. I mean, so, and I think your dad would probably say the same thing thing he was a really good wrestler in Nebraska but there's a lot of wrestlers in Nebraska you know and so um he always had a really strong work ethic in the off season and you know it's kind of what strength coaches do we do off season (laughs) (laughs) off season all season (laughs) right it's not necessarily the the glam of the season but um you you know nowadays you stay in the backdrop all year round so whether it's off season or not so it's come a long way yeah. Even for the even for the male athletes, you know, no doubt it's so. been interesting to see. Even since I've been alive for 21 years, I feel like it's even come a long way in that time. You know, it's been mm-hmm. interesting to watch. Well, you've probably seen it too. Like it's now we're we're working with younger athletes, you know, and you can start at a different place with a younger athlete. And yeah. I think the way that sports are being pushed so quickly with kids they're missing a lot of the training that you get the cross training I guess you would say that you get through multiple sports when people are trying to specialize so early and I hope I hope we'll trend away from that um, yeah. because I think that playing a lot of different sports keeps it fun keeps it social 
to some degree and keeps you working under, you know, how to understand authority and discipline and all the things. But, um, you know, I think people started filling in with strength and conditioning with their kids when they were missing the other sports and then injuries were occurring and all this is happening and all of that. So that's good. It's good. It's good to implement. It's good for kids to know that they have to work for something, you know, for sure. So it has its place for sure. Definitely. I, um, you kind of already talked to, I was actually going to ask you about dad next. Um, I was going to ask you how y'all met and I of course know, but tell the people how y'all met and where and kind of in what fashion. Well, we actually met at Notre Dame. Um, he was a part of, he was a head strength coach there. Mm-hmm. So he hired for all the departments, kind of, or I guess all the sports. There was, um, at that time, the assistants all worked under a main, you know, a head strength coach that was over all of the sports there, varsity sports there. So Notre Dame had quite a few, and I worked in a separate weight room. So I came from Arizona State as a GA to Notre Dame to work with mainly the women's program and men's hockey because they worked over in the Loftus weight room. And so um, that was separate from where football was in like men's basketball and all of that, just because of where they practiced, you know, pretty much. So it was interesting. Yeah. He had been there a while and they had, I had applied for the job there. My actually my head strength coach at Arizona state turned me on to the job. He loved Notre Dame and um, knew that he was, (laughs) he knew he wasn't female and they were, hoping to hire a female to work with the women. And um, if that worked out to be the best candidate mm-hmm. and um, he just, he wasn't really able to take a move. So mm-hmm. anyway, he probably would have been a lot better than me at the time. I was very young, but um, yeah, I got I just like, oh, I like to work. So I got after it and learned and your dad helped me a lot and his assistants helped me a lot and um, everybody there wanted to do their job. And so it was neat. It was a good, it was a good time. That's awesome. Well, so I, like I said, like I know the story, but kind of like, I think y'all's dating relationship is super interesting to me because it was never super like official. It sounds like, you know, so kind of like explain that a little bit. And how did you know that he was probably going to be the one? Um, he probably told me he was actually, um, (laughs) (laughs) he's kind of like that. Uh, that coach, comes out. No, we were just good friends. Everybody on our staff was good friends. (laughs) And we all did things together all the time. And um, I don't know, I guess we just kind of, I think both of us were kind of from smaller towns instead of from big cities. And Mm -hmm. I talked really funny at that time. You still do. But uh yes so you know nobody could hardly understand what i was saying except for him <laughs> but both just have like you kind of grew into a respect for each other i think is what it was for me of course he's a little bit older than me as y'all know um, <laughs> course, and so i think just really yeah he was a really good coach and i he was really good at his job and he worked really hard and um those are things that I grew up with and I really appreciate in a person, I guess. And so, you know, mainly had dated people my age before, which, uh, 
had fallen a little short. So um, I just think that I appreciated. And I also enjoyed his family. They were there some. And they were from the cornfields of Nebraska and great people. And nobody was a stranger. And my family's a lot like that too. So I think that makes it kind of a nice, um, easy fit, you know. And we like to do the same things. We could even, even in, um, at Notre Dame, we could find a place to go two-step and <laughs> of course I had to brush him up on that a little bit, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, to. I think that that, what it, what it was just the fact that he wasn't so focused on himself. It was just kind of like focused on his work and yeah. then we're going to have a good time in between and you know, good people, good people come from good people, right? Yes, for sure. Now y'all been married for 26 yeah. years, correct? Yeah, going on 27. So been a good while. Yeah. What's your What's your best piece of dating advice you can give us based off of your 26 years of marriage? Looking back. Well, dating advice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let me see. Don't waste your time. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> as a true, uh, the true woman would say <laughs> don't waste your time I mean if you the what you may not know but you know when you know it's not so yeah. I would say you know when you don't know yeah. so I think uh build yourself in who you're supposed to be and what your values and principles and your purpose are and look for that chase that when you chase that, I think your people kind of fall in line and um, you don't have to go chasing your people. You know, I think that kind of comes to you, whether it be friends or dating, you know, partners or, or uh, marriage eventually. Um, but I feel like it's hard to pick the person to spend the rest of your life with if you don't know um, your worth and your value and who that's grounded in and what's important to you for the rest of your life and the principles that you're going to hold fast to. Mm -hmm. If you don't know that, how are you going to pick someone who's going to come in and um, help you reach that and you in turn help them reach that? Yeah, no doubt. That's good stuff. (laughs) You've told me that plenty of times, but it's always good to hear it again, especially at this age. But I was actually going to ask you next. What'd you say? Well, I was going to say, I think sometimes maybe the intention on finding the one is a little out of place. It's yeah. not, um, it's maybe the priority over just, you know, understanding who you are and um, making that person, you know, all she can be. Yeah, I guess to um, know and and feel comfortable about the next step, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's some good stuff right there, for sure. I was going to ask you about the importance of having your own identity and things that you do within your marriage, but I think you just kind of hit on that. I feel like you're you're queen of that, <laughs> so. Um, how have you, how have you seen that positively impact your marriage with him? 
Um, I think because I was a strength coach and I know the hours and the fatigue related to the job, which is probably any coaching job, honestly, because it is not only a very physical and kind of unlimited hours Mm -hmm. job, but it's also very personable because you are, you become a part of the people you're around and the, the machine that you're working with, you know? And Mm -hmm. so um, that can be exhausting in itself. And I, but also, so maybe um, I think that's been good for him not feeling like he has to um, be around two, four, seven, or um, maybe that I understood that schedule a little bit in that, in that um, level of, you know, fatigue, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, And given me good friends that are outside of, um, you know, for us football, mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of good friends in football and through football, right. coaches, wives, or trainers or other strength coaches, whatever, you know, um, but it is nice to branch out and have some other, um, affiliations and, um, some other things to think about, you know, and I guess for me, I also, um, have always been kind of the jack of all trades, you know, and so it was, it and it's been important to me to kind of keep growing through my life, which for me has, has included trying different things and new things. And um, I've just, you know, really enjoyed that part of my life being able to do that. So while it was hard to let coaching go at times when you guys were little, um, I knew it was the right thing because I could prioritize, you know, y'all and um, your dad could be there when he could and did a great job of that. But, you know, there's a certain, we could support each other, I guess, you know, and what we were doing. Um, and also I never, he always wanted to support me and the other things that I wanted to do, which made me maybe not feel a little cheated, Yeah, you know, yep. um, which can happen sometimes, you know, so, or maybe feel a little less like you've gotten to <clears throat> have a say over your own life, I guess. Yeah. But, um, I was actually, anyways, gonna- I- I was going to touch on that too, because I, sometimes I feel like almost like being a coach's wife can almost become an identity too. Have you, do you Mm -hmm. think that's, and I think that, yeah, yeah. because it's like, I mean, it is like, you have to move wherever your husband goes because, or wherever he can get a job, you know? And then, so Mm -hmm. every time that he does that, you have to pick up and go, but also like, you've done a really good job of like running and the horses and that kind of thing. Like, I just feel like everywhere you go, you find a way to impact that community. So that's been, that's been really in your own way, not through anything that he's doing. And I think that that's, that's really cool. And it's definitely set an example for me in my own life. So mm-hmm. for sure. I think it was probably because we were both strength coaches and I just wanted to make sure that I was really doing a good job, not just hearing it because I was his wife, you know, that probably, if I was to be honest, I think that played a little more, impact than you know people might have thought but you know um but also like I said I did like enjoy working hard at what I was doing I enjoyed the people I was working to help and Mm um all the coaches that were trying to help me and it was you know just kind of that deal but also you do have a mind and gifts of your own 
you know, and my path is not going to be the same as your dad's. I mean, right. we're not the same person right. and um, we both have different strengths and different things we need to work on. And, you know, uh, we've always done, I guess, pretty good in that aspect, like trying to stay focused on building each other up, you know, but if you're not strong and kind of at a good point yourself, you're, it's not, you're going to have a hard time helping somebody else with that, you know, right. no doubt. Um, yeah. sure. taking care of your business, I guess, so that you can be there for someone else, you know, yeah. for whether sure. it's your spouse or your children or whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's a, another interesting thing about like y'all situation is that, you know, people glamorize that world a lot kind of, but you and dad both did not initially start that way I mean tell, like tell them what you made your first job oh gosh slim <laughs> and but I thought I was rich <laughs> because of what I wasn't <laughs> as a graduate assistant I didn't deserve as a graduate assistant I was obviously in the process but I got a lot of experience real quick at Notre Dame and so um yeah so that was, I was on my own. I was excited. I got like free clothes and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, all the gear, you know, but oh, I, yeah, you know, I was fully dressed, you know, for sure. You were warm. That was all that mattered in Notre Dame. <laughs> mm-hmm. for that. But kind of, yeah, no doubt. Kind of speak on that though. Like, um, as y'all have, you know, continued through your careers and both have, you know, stepped up and all of that not like in an arrogant way, but just kind of touch on how you both were raised and then kind of taking that and implementing that into our own family of like to whom much is given much is expected. And how have you used your role in our family to kind of keep us grounded and like stay true to who you are throughout the process? Well, um, first of all, both of our families were very family oriented. And so holidays were with family, um, and birthdays were with family and you know all the special occasions were around your family and your community was basically your family and your church and we had friends of course from school and all that but you know on the holidays we mostly saw our family because we had you know I had a lot of cousins and all that that came to Tyler where I was raised and you know your dad was kind of experiencing the same thing in Nebraska his his mom and dad were kind of the hub for their family but you know we had our farm outside of Tyler and we all gathered there and that was just like going on vacation you know we didn't mm-hmm. world travel but we traveled together as a big family and all the cousins and stuff on summer vacations but when we came to Tyler for you know several holidays out of the year and Christmas being the most important of course um of course. it was a big deal you know and so I think you just, you don't realize how that impacts you until you start raising your family. And then, you know, your dad, well, he told me we were going to be gone for Christmas because we were going to a bowl game. I was like, what now? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. We're going to be the farm. Right? We're be the farm. And um, he was like, and, and his family was equally into Christmas. Yeah. And so instead of being like, wait a minute. And I did, I was resentful for a while because I didn't want football to take over our family. I wanted you guys to have memories with your grandparents and with your cousins. And I think we made that work. We, we made some, maybe we, <laughs> maybe we blazed some new trails in that. When we were at OU. We um, did, went everywhere. We would go to Tyler, we would go to Nebraska, and then we'd go to the bowl game. Yeah. We just wouldn't be at the bowl game maybe as long as 
everybody else, you know? Right. I tried it every which way, Aubrey. I tried every year. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like we did something different every year because the whole game's changed every year. Your no birthday's doubt. on the 26th of December. Um, so I was trying hard to get a birthday party done and, yeah. you know, all that. But I was needing my family time by that time of the year because it's a pretty lonely go in the fall when you're a coach's mm-hmm. wife. Yeah. But, um, you know, so we just, we weren't ever afraid to pack it and go, even if we missed a football game, mm-hmm. we did go to most of the football games. You guys loved them. And you were all about being, you know, dad's greatest fan. I thought that was important that y'all saw why he was gone all the time because yeah. he was at work. a lot. But we, we went and saw the outcome and it was fun. And you guys enjoyed that. And those kids loved y'all like you were their own brothers and sisters. And, we had a lot of good <clears throat> friends at the OU, um, in the OU football family too. So, and then throughout because we I coached other sports, so you guys right. got to know a little bit of everybody. So, your that was kind girls. of your family. I away still from. talk to your soccer girls. <laughs> Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. and I think maybe it's good for those girls and guys too to see a family dynamic in that atmosphere because you know, you're kind of a, just a big kid when you're in college. And I think you can miss your family and you can forget where you come from and forget who you are a little bit until you're reminded maybe by a different type of example. And I, I think that's important. I love it when football coaches or, you know, staffs, any kind of coaching staff pays attention to that and keeps that alive because, um, you know, there's just a lot of influences on y'all when you're in, in college. And so just to have something stable, I guess, yeah. to kind of look at is, is not, and it's hard. I mean, this day and age, you know, I feel like the family's under attack a lot, but, um, so that probably means it's worth saving, you know, yeah, no doubt. So, you know, if you want to, I read a thing the other day, I saw a sign that said, if you want to do something good for the world, raise your children, you know? And mm-hmm. so That's good. I think that was important to me. I, I was not comfortable um, with someone else raising you and Sam, um, because I thought you had been gifted to me and that that was my responsibility, but also my honor. And so that was something I wanted to do. And I had seen that example before me, your dad had had that example before him, you know, not that our mothers didn't work and work hard, you know, but mainly their focus was on, on helping our family, nurturing our family, you know, and our, and our dads provided for the most part. So, and however it works out in any family is it can be different. I'm not saying that it should, you know, necessarily has to be one way. That's just um, how it fell for us, you know. So your dad has done real well at what he's done. He's he's uh, not only has he won a lot and made you know a good salary for our family, but he's also encouraged a lot of young people. And um, and now they're out and starting families and having careers, and you know. A lot of them are doing some pretty cool things because he kicked their rear end a couple times about six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so. yep. But you did the same thing to a lot of, a lot of athletes as well. And then kind of just yep. towards the end, it was, you were kicking our rear ends instead. So um, I think it's interesting though, because you, I wouldn't say that, like we've talked about this, but starting a family wasn't something that you were just like so ready for and waiting for. Like, am I right? Like you weren't really planning on it when it happened, but when it was entrusted right. to you, you definitely pursued it, which is awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Kind of touch on I've that. I've just I think I've learned over the years that God definitely has better ideas 
for my life than I do. So um, I was planning on going to law school at the time we got to Oklahoma. So I was going to start at the University of Florida and then ended up was going to start at the University of Oklahoma when we moved there. I was so glad to be back close to my family and really close to your dad's family too. Everything was in driving distance then. But uh, then I got pregnant and I was, it just, law school didn't really fit with that as as far as the timing of my finals would have been the day you were due. And so (laughs) we were going to put it off a year and I was going to have this little sweet baby and study for law school at the same time. And, you know, just kind of, I was still involved in coaching at OU and I think that probably saved me from my own ideas of what I needed to be doing and really let me see, you know, when you're around, when you work with kids, you see a lot of things and you realize there's a lot of ways to do family and some ways you appreciate and some ways you'd rather not delve into. And Mm -hmm. that was something that I learned pretty quickly what I was comfortable with. And it did not involve me being away from y'all for long periods of time or, um, you know, for special times and with kids, things just happen when they happen. You know, nobody's going to tell you when you're going to say your first word or when you can take your first step or that's not on the calendar. Right. And so, um, I am pretty good with unpredictability and with adapting to the situation. Definitely. And that's what you guys were <laughs> all the time. <laughs> we <had> so to be. <laughs> it definitely affected my personality. Who knows what's going to happen today? Exactly. So, all we knew is we were going to go on a run, right, Aubrey? I mean, yeah. you're going to be yeah. in the stroller, and I was going to be pushing it. <laughs> stroller alert. Called it a stroller yeah. alert. Tell them about the time I turned around and looked at you, and I was like, go faster. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, was, I was pregnant with Sam, and I'm still trying to run and push this child in the, you know, baby jogger, and which was the best gift ever, if you ever need to give a shower gift. Um, but... I'm slogging along through my probably five mile run at that point. And Sam was probably, I was probably six months, seven months pregnant. And she turns around, looks around the side of the stroller and is like, can you go any faster? <laughs> Which was kind of like, no, I cannot. <laughs> but at that point we've been it running together. Oh yeah. No doubt. We've been, we've been running together for a while together. then. No, yeah. You ran a marathon when you were pregnant with me, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How many weeks? You were in the womb. Yeah. Yep. I'm doing thinking I was going to be able to have children and there you were. So yeah, I was probably, I think I was, I was through my first semester or trimester before I figured out that, you know, you were on the way right as I was. I was just running a lot and doing some triathlon. I did triathlon with you too. In oh there. My gosh. <laughs> I was about mm-hmm. half baked by the time I came out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's right. That's right. It's a reason that you end up, you know, running and doing all the things you do. So couldn't get away. Anyways, now that's that's interesting that you mentioned. You know, kind of how coaching played into your um, the way that you raised your own children. Because I was actually going to ask you, like, how did coaching and mentoring other people's children prepare you for raising your own? It's funny, you know, I have memories in my head of about three or four athletes saying to me, one volleyball player at OU, her mom said, promise me you're not going to raise your kid in a gym. <laughs> I was like, uh, I cannot promise you that. <laughs> but, I make no promises. 
thought, but I thought about it, you know, I, I took it in and I, I remember it to this day. And then I had another um, volleyball player who was an only child. And she said, promise me, you're not just going to have one child because it gets so lonely. And I always wanted brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. And then I had another basketball player who she's really smart and um she wasn't the best athlete she was a really good athlete and probably would would have been good at you know a lot of different sports but she ended up with basketball and she and I just had a good rapport and she said to me one time she said we were talking about kids and sometimes you say no just because they need to learn to hear no sometimes and she said we were talking about the whole you know daycare, preschool, whatever type of thing. And I was probably debating on that because I was taking some master's classes at that time. And she was like, yeah, I just think it's smart to like, let your kids push you away instead of you pushing them away. And I was like, you know what? She has no idea what you're talking about, but that's really smart. <laughs> because it's kind of our family. Yeah. You know, there's times when your kids need to go be independent and they're ready for that. But the next week or two, they might have a, a different little you know time of life where they need you close Mm -hmm. and when you can be available for that and that's pretty cool you know and that it's not it's not always that way but for the most part when you know kids get ready to go be a little more independent they they kind of push mom and dad a little bit like I'm good you know like y'all could step back a little bit they kind of encourage us to let go a little (laughs) bit which was never really hard for me because we did spend a lot of time together and I felt like I was so excited for y'all when you got to a phase like that you know I think when you were graduating from high school everybody was so sad and I'm like dang she's worked so hard this is gonna be great you know so it was like seeing the fruits of your labor and I thought it was so cool yeah that's probably anyway and the same with Sam yeah and the fruits of your labor too like just that's neat that you got to that point and it was kind of like a no regret situation you know like I wish I had done yes. that. I think that I do remember. That. I do remember saying, I don't ever want my kids to think that I could have, I could have, you know, like financially or logistically stayed with them at times when I chose to leave them with someone else. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of just my choice. You know, like I said, it goes back to kind of the way you're raised and what you're comfortable with. And mm-hmm what your, your own family situation is. And, um, but honestly, you know, I've seen moms and dads do it all different ways and I respect it all. I mean, I have seen some really hardworking single moms do it. And I've seen, you know, sometimes the dad stays home and the mom does the, either the coaching or the, the main work. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the cool thing is it's, uh, it's worked a lot of different ways successfully for a lot of different people. So yeah. Everybody's family is different, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's what the coaching thing showed me was to respect that, not to judge that, but to respect it, you know, the differences. We're We're just all doing our best at the end of the day. (laughs) So the next question is kind of about your faith. You've been a Christian for a long time, Um, but I just wanted to ask you a question about how you've seen the Lord's faithfulness from season to season in your life and prepping for different goals and things like that seamless not to seamless transitions and just trusting him and taking risks and how have you seen him through that i guess the main thing is just seeing or i guess at this point like thank god for shut doors and closed windows and all the things (laughs) like that 
like I said, I'm always on a mission and I always want to work, be working at something and have a goal. And that's exciting to me, even competitively, you know, that's fun to me. And some people choose to spend their time doing other things and that's great, but that's not kind of how I'm wired. And once I have accepted that, I, um, you know, it was life got a lot easier that that was okay to be different in that regard and to chase those things, you know, a little bit, but God also helps you kind of find your balance and, um, under, you know, really understand your priorities. And I think that my early Christian walk maybe just gave me a little more. I mean, of course I believe it's the Holy spirit and I, you know, I just think he makes your, your gut feelings a little stronger, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, Maybe sometimes you go down different paths that aren't real popular with those around you. And that's kind of how my move to Arizona, Arizona state was, but you know, once I got there, everybody kind of relaxed and good things started to happen. And, you know, maybe because I wasn't trying to control it myself, I was kind of letting it come. And uh, so I think, you know, maybe every step like that, every step you take, that's kind of brave. Maybe just let you know, you're, you're not a little more, knowledge that you're not in control and that the Lord is watching over you and somebody's praying for you for sure. I I do know that piece of growing up, just knowing that my mom and dad were praying for me. My nanny was praying for me and, you know, on down and their friends were praying and, you know, on down the line. So anyways, I think that maybe. Yeah, for sure. That's good stuff too. I like it. I like it. So we've gone through all of your questions and so now we're to the question of the podcast and you know what it is, but what do you want to be remembered for more than all of this? <laughs> um, more than anything, I think I want to be that I love Jesus through loving other people and supporting them in mm-hmm. kind of highs and lows and just really showing grace. Um, because, you know, grace has definitely been shown to me mm-hmm. and um, just, I think helping people understand their worth, you know, comes with helping them and supporting them and finding their purpose and, that, um, you know, understanding why God's put them here and helping them learn to reach out and serve others and you know, help another, that all your gifts and your abilities and your talents are all great. Um, and you're going to receive some, you know, some, you know, rewards and recognition in that growing up, but that it's really about turning around and serving others through that. And so it's neat seeing people come to that point where they recognize that and life becomes a little bit less about them and about more of who they can reach, you know? Yeah. And, you know, them understanding the Lord and loving the Lord. So lots of opportunity out there these days. For sure. That's neat. Cause I really been able to see that in your life and the way that you've tried to steer Sam and I too, is just everything that we do. You've always emphasized the service aspect, but you've also led by example through that too. So I appreciate you for that. And thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been fun. Yeah, per usual. That was fun. Yeah, and I know your boys are playing basketball tonight, so gotta run uh, off and watch them. But yeah, anyways, thank you so boys. much. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Thank you, Aubrey. I love okay. you. I love you too. You make me proud. Thank you, Mama. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Feel free to leave a rating and review down below. We really appreciate the support. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at More Than This Podcast to stay up to date on more special guests and new episodes. Also, if you have anyone you would like to hear from in specific, you can DM us your recommendation on there as well. Thanks again for stopping by. We'll see y'all in two weeks. Bye.